Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 85, verses 8 through 13. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him, and will make a path for his steps. Amos chapter 2, verses 6-16 Thus says the Lord, for three, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way. Father and son go in to the same girl, so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar, on garments taken on pledge, and in the house of their God they drink wine bought with fines they imposed. Yet I destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of cedars, and who was as strong as oaks. I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. I also brought you up out of the land of Egypt and led you forty years in the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up some of your children to be prophets and some of your youths to be Nazarites. Is it not indeed so, O people of Israel, says the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. So I will press down in your place, press you down in your place, just as a cart presses down when it is full of sheaves. Flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not retain their strength, nor shall the mighty save their lives. Those who handle the bow shall not stand, and those who are swift of foot shall not save themselves, nor shall those who ride horses save their lives. And those who are stout of heart among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, says the Lord. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. For I want you to know how much I am struggling for you, and for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen, my, seen me face to face. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love, so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding, and have the knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, and I rejoice to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Good morning and welcome to the sixth Thursday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 85. Amos 2 and Colossians 2. And the uh, 
the feast day for today, July 8th, is a young man named Procopius of Scythopia. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I'm going to say it. Um, Procopius is, um, according to Eusebius and uh, a much later uh, Alvin Butler, um, the first uh, of the soldier saints martyred under Diocletian April 303 in Palestine. Um, and it happened earlier than that, I think, um, Diocletian had issued his uh, edict about purging the the administration of Christians back in February of 303. And so by April, it had reached Palestine, and Procopius was a Roman uh, uh, who was born in Jerusalem. Um, his father was a Christian, and his mother was a pagan, which is kind of like a reversal of the the kind of trope, which is that the father um, is a pagan and the mother is a Christian. But his father died at a young age, and he was raised by his pagan mother. And so he's converted, uh, or he, he's baptized and becomes a Christian late in life, um, comparatively late. He wasn't a cradle Christian, I suppose. Um, but by the time he becomes a Christian, he's already entered military service. He has um, received a uh, a Greek education, and so when he becomes a Christian, he also serves as a, a reader in the local church. Um, and back in the day, literacy was not universal. Um, if you could read, it meant you could afford an education, which was no no cheap thing. Um, and so Procopius uh, offered this very valuable service to the local church of of being able to read, and so he read scriptures. He um, became an exorcist, which was a very early form of a of a deacon. Martin of Tours was also made an exorcist because he didn't want to be a priest. So they're they're kind of ordained, but not really. Um, and of course, these are uh, kind of anachronistic for the the 300s before the Council of Nicaea. But anyway, Procopius um, is uh, kind of discovered as a Christian, and uh, he wasn't turned in or anything, but he, he is found out. Um, and so he's taken before the prefect, uh, you know, just like Pilate, but in this case it was um, Paulinus. Um, but this is still um, in Jerusalem, in uh, Sethopia, um, is an ancient name for a city that is now within uh, the borders of Israel, and I can't remember... I can't remember the name, maybe like Bet Shaim. Anyway, um, so it's a kind of an outdated name, uh, but that is a city in which he was um, taken, detained, and tried, um, and he was he was ordered to um, declare the emperor's god or gods, um, and Butler names Diocletian. Herculius, Galerius, and Constantius. Herculius, I don't know much about, but the other three were part of, I know they were part of the Tetrarch, uh, the four emperors right around the, the turn of the fourth century. Um, he's he's ordered to sacrifice to the gods, and um, he says that he can't do it. Um, and the the prefect immediately orders him to be executed. He is, and his relics are recovered, his bones, and 
uh, a church was built shortly after that in his honor. Um, he's not in the Golden Legend. Um, uh, and I mention that because the Golden Legend, Jacob de Vorgin, um and William Caxton, who's the English translator, kind of added on to the Golden Legend. Sometimes they'll give an etymology of a saint's name. Um, I'm kind of curious what they would say about Procopius. Um, he he is described by Butler as um, meek and humble, uh, having a really pleasant disposition, um, but he was admirable in all virtues, supposedly. Um, and so I don't know if that you know kind of influences uh, his name, because what typically happens is you know these these things happen on a local level. Um, there's no like national press that's recording everything. Um, in these uh, kind of more particular locales, the, the immediate community, the family, the friends, maybe the town or village, they talk about what was happened. And that language may not be the same as, you know, three towns over where it's happened as well, uh, but by a man, uh, a soldier of a different name. And sometimes these stories about two different people get merged into one. And so I don't, I don't know of any evidence that um, that's the case for Procopius, but his, his name does sound like maybe it's trying to tell us something. Um, there's no entry for Procopius on David Woods' military martyr site because he does a really good job of, of translating some of these ancient um, passions and, and lives um, but we don't know much about Procopius other than um, what uh, what Eusebius says um, and then how um, uh, Butler and, and later hagiographers record about him. Um, but for the most part, he is kind of uh, a cookie-cutter soldier saint. There's a few differences. You know, the mother and father's religion is reversed, um, indicating, you know, maybe it was, you know, maybe it wasn't, you know, cut from somebody else's cloth, that maybe there really was someone like this. Um, Any time where the trope shows some, you know, kind of uniqueness, that's something to to kind of look at and explore why that might be the case. Um, sometimes, you know, hagiographers just alter slight facts just to make it, you know, specific to a, a, a you know, one location. Um, but it's always kind of interesting to me, you know, where the trope is, the kind of the 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 layover or the the overlay, um, and then what the the underlying historical realities are. Um, but we do know that um, many soldiers uh, were the first kind of um, re- well, not recorded that what happened with Diocletian because it came from the top down and because it was. You know, it was an order that survives to this day. We know, you know, what it's most of what it says um, because it started from the top down. Not only um, is it going to get more people, and you know, it's, it's also enforced. A lot of these edicts weren't enforced locally. Um, the the centralizing aspect of you know starting from the top down um, ensures that those stories make it further throughout the empire. You know, the the stories travel with other Christian soldiers who maybe don't want to speak up and get killed. Um, then they connect and kind of uh, 
mind merge with local saints, um, and those stories get kind of you know combined and passed on. Um, and so that's why a lot of the the martyrdom stuff begins, or, or at least really takes off with the soldier saints, because it it's it's like the government starting a program. The whole country hears about it, but if you know Wisconsin starts a program, Wisconsin people will hear about it, but everybody else will kind of hear about it secondhand. Um, and so that's why there's this overabundance of. Uh, military saints, military martyrs, um, and we get martyrs earlier. Perpet, uh, perpet, uh, Jesus, Felicity and Perpetuas, um, Ignatius of Antioch and Lyon, Irenaeus of Lyon. Um, so we know that it happens. We know soldiers. You know it, what? There's nothing stopping the Romans from killing their own soldiers. Um, but it happened at such a frequency. And in such a way that these stories, you know, it's hard to sort fact from fiction. But what is important and what we can determine um, is the effect, the influence that these stories had, that they survived 2,000 years or 1,700 years um, is significant. It means that the community, the Christian community, found these to be worthy of remembrance and celebration. And that's why we have feast days um, they're sometimes called um, uh, patronal feasts. You know, these saints are patrons of X, Y, and Z. And so if you're X and, you know, your patron is coming up for a feast, uh, you'll celebrate it as a patronal feast. You'll celebrate uh, your patron, just like Martin of Tours is my patron, patron saint. Um, his patronal feast, I celebrate his patronal feast on November 11th, which is Veterans Day, Armistice Day. Um, and so we know that, you know, regardless of the historicity of them, we know that Christians valued these stories and they, they allowed these stories to shape and influence uh, and inspire them. And that is as important as whether or not they actually happened in history. A prayer for those who suffer for the sake of conscience. In the Book of Common Prayer. O God, our Father, whose Son forgave his enemies while he was suffering shame and death, strengthen those who suffer for the sake of conscience. When they are accused, save them from speaking and hate. When they are rejected, save them from bitterness. When they are imprisoned, save them from despair. And to us, your servants, give grace to respect their witness and to discern the truth, that our society may be cleansed and strengthened. This we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ, our merciful and righteous judge. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with pewpewhq in this or any way. 
Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.